Welcome to From Realms of Glory, a Christmas audio series tracing promises about the coming of the Messiah until his arrival in Bethlehem of Judea. I'm Dr. J.J. Routley, Professor of Bible and Theology at Emmaus Bible College in Dubuque, Iowa. Merry Christmas, everyone! Today is December 25th, Christmas Day, and we have an extended final episode to celebrate the occasion. What a joy to be able to remember the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, the entrance of the eternal Son of God into our world. That's what we want to talk about today, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, when God became man. Some of the most Christ-focused hymns are Christmas hymns. Take, for example, Charles Wesley's classic, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're all familiar with the first verse, but have you ever stopped to reflect on the second verse? It proclaims in clear language the full deity and humanity of Jesus Christ. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. What wondrous truth this hymn contains. Christ, the everlasting Lord, the eternal Son of God, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, fully God and fully man, God incarnate. Now, for our reading today, we turn to John's Gospel, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then a little bit later on, verses 9 through 14. We'll take these in two separate sections, so let's look first at verses 1 through 5 to begin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We started our podcast on December 1st in the book of Genesis all the way back at creation. And John, in his gospel, takes us back to Genesis chapter 1 to revisit creation. We find out some amazing things here that we don't necessarily learn from Genesis. In the beginning, John says, was the Word. Who is this Word? Well, when we come down to John chapter 1 and verse 14, we find that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word, therefore, is Jesus the Messiah of Israel, who John says was at the beginning with God the Father. The Word was with God. Jesus eternally is the Son of God the Father, himself divine. John presents here the basic tenets of Trinitarianism. There is eternally only one God, and yet the one God of the Bible has eternally existed in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, who is the Lord Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That is how John can say both that Jesus was with God and that Jesus was God. This is not theological doublespeak. 
It is essential Christian belief. John says that all things were made through him, through Jesus. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He created all things. Now, the author of Hebrews says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Jesus, then, is the agent of creation. If God the Father was the architect, the planner of creation, God the Son was the contractor who built this universe. When God the Father said, let there be light, Jesus, as the eternal word of God, brought it into existence. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus was called by Peter in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, the author of life. And in John 8, 12, Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. He brought about life in this universe and is pure and radiant light in whom there is no darkness. Now, in Scripture, light becomes a metaphor for righteousness and darkness for the absence of righteousness, the presence of of sin. Jesus is pure light, completely righteous, without any corruption whatsoever. The light, John says, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The entrance of Christ into our world in Bethlehem was the entrance of light, of righteousness into this dark world of sin. And just as darkness cannot remain in the presence of light, so sin and those under its dark hold recoil at the entrance of Christ into this world. John goes on to say in verses 9 through 14, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the true light that gives light to all men. He is the source of both light in its physical nature and also light as a metaphor for righteousness, and he imparts both to mankind. Without light, we would not be able to see anything. Nothing would be revealed. Everything would be hidden. The entrance of Jesus into this world is the revealing or unveiling of God as he truly is. John will say down in verse 18, No one has ever seen God. The only begotten God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus' life reveals God to humanity. He didn't just come to save us from our sin, but also to reveal the Father perfectly and truly to us. However, the next verses, verses 10 and 11, preview the rejection of the Messiah. He was in the world. And although he was the creator of the world, John says, the world did not know him. His own creation did not recognize him. He came to his own people, to Israel, the ones who had received God's revelation about the coming of the Messiah, and his own people did not receive him. He was rejected by the nation of Israel publicly, 
by the leaders of the Jews particularly, and condemned to die on that terrible Roman cross. Yet, John says, to all who did receive him, to those who did believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who were born, not physically, but born of God eternally. What a wonderful verse, verse 12 is, that God gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in the name of Jesus for salvation. As human beings, we've been born into sin because of the failure of our first parents, Adam and Eve. Adam acted as the representative of humanity, and his sin transmitted to all humanity through his act of disobedience. Paul makes this clear in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. And yet, when Christ came, he came without sin, acting as a second Adam, a final Adam, a representative of a new humanity. Where Adam failed and yielded to temptation, Christ resisted sin and yielded only to righteousness. Through faith in Jesus, then, we are transferred from the curse of sin under Adam as our representative head to a new creation, a new humanity, with Jesus as our representative head, adopted now into the family of God. A wonder of wonders. If you have trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, you are a child of God. Now, John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is an absolutely astounding verse, that the eternal Son of God should become flesh and blood, leaving his heavenly glory to take the form of a servant, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. It is often noted that the word here for dwelt, in he dwelt among us, really has the idea of pitching a tent. John, with his Old Testament imagery in this passage, probably has in mind the Old Testament tabernacle where God dwelt with his people in their midst. And yet, they did not have direct access to him to approach whenever they wanted. Their access to God was restricted to the Levitical priesthood. But now, in Christ, God has come down to dwell in our midst as one of us. Jesus is truly Emmanuel, God with us. John says we have seen his glory. The glory of Jesus is on display throughout his earthly life, though veiled in a way that human beings could experience it. In the Old Testament, no one could look on the face of God and live. Even Moses, of whom it is said that he saw God face to face and spoke with him face to face, could not look directly at the beauty and majesty and glory of God but was hidden by God in the cleft of a rock in Exodus 34 and covered over until the glory of God passed by, and he was only allowed to see the fading glory of God as he departed. But in Jesus, we see God's glory in a way we can experience it and live. As Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. These terms, grace and truth, are characteristic of God in the Old Testament. Chesed and Emet are the Hebrew terms typically employed to speak of God's mercy, his loving kindness, his grace, 
and his truth or faithfulness toward us. In Exodus 34, again, as God passed by Moses to reveal something of his glory to him, he proclaimed these words, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love and faithfulness are these Hebrew words chesed and emet. Perhaps John has these Old Testament terms in mind for Jesus, who perfectly reveals God's character to us. He is a God of grace and truth, of love and faithfulness toward his people. Jesus is the eternal God made flesh. In Bethlehem's manger this Christmas day, we remember the birth of Jesus the Messiah, the eternal God made man with flesh and blood, and we marvel at the wisdom of God, who in his sovereign purposes had planned this event before the foundation of the world, so that through the death of this man on the cross, we might be given new life and indeed life from the dead. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to redeem us from our sin through his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection. The third verse of Wesley's hymn says this perfectly, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Have you been twice born? Have you been given light and life by Bethlehem's baby? If you've never trusted Jesus for salvation, let today be the first day of your new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. May that be true of you today as you remember the child born in Bethlehem and worship him as Lord of all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of From Realms of Glory, a Christmas podcast. For more information about Emmaus Bible College, please visit Emmaus.edu. Don't forget to leave us a strong review wherever you listen to podcasts and share the podcast with friends and family members. May the light of Jesus, the light of the world, shine upon you this Christmas season.